Hello, teacher friends! Welcome to episode number 36 of the Beyond Measure podcast. (laughs) My name is Christina Whitlock, and I am here to make sure that you always have a piano teacher friend accessible in your life. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. The past several weeks, I have had the great fortune of working with some high school-aged students, as well as a woman in her early 20s online, um, helping to introduce them to the complex world of piano teaching. (laughs) It has been so fun to like pull back the curtain and show these students the whys and the hows of what I do all day. (laughs) You might recall that I also teach a two-semester pedagogy course at Taylor University here in Indiana, but of course working with pre-college students has been its own unique and really fun challenge. (laughs) I just have to say that there is something so philosophically pleasing about getting to teach this material to these high schoolers without having to attach any kind of letter grade to their efforts. It's been good for me. It's been good for them. It's just really wonderful. (laughs) And of course, as anything in the field of education, while I am teaching these young people about teaching, (laughs) I am also continually learning more myself. That is, of course, like one of the great payoffs about being an educator, right? (laughs) As long as we're paying attention and we are open to it, We just keep learning and learning and learning, right? (laughs) So today, I thought I would share with you just a few of the principles that I discuss with my pedagogy students of every age. (laughs) Mind you, I can't quite afford to give all of this information away for free here on the podcast, (laughs) but I do always begin my pedagogy courses with 12 guiding principles. I call them my teacher truths, and I thought we would talk about three of them today. (laughs) It was actually really fun deciding which three teacher truths I should share with you today. (laughs) So my hope is that you are going to find these affirming of your own experience and, ideally, a little thought-provoking as well. Okay, so without further ado, teacher truth number one, well, number one for today, because this is actually number two on my official list, but teacher truth number one for today, we all have something to offer, all of us, regardless of experience, regardless of ability, each one of us has a perspective that can benefit other people. Of course, the danger comes when we start accepting students whose needs don't align with what we have to offer. (laughs) But fundamentally, we all have something to teach one another. (laughs) 
I'm not sure if you are at all familiar with the El Sistema program, which originated in Venezuela and has brought music education to countless young people in poverty, but I'm intrigued by many aspects of that program. For instance, one of their guiding principles relies on empowering peers to teach one another what they've already learned. The philosophy is, essentially, if you know how to play one note on the trumpet, you can teach someone else to play that one note on the trumpet. (laughs) Now, to be fair, there have been some really troubling reports concerning the El Sistema program in Venezuela, so I'm not here proclaiming it to be like the be-all, end-all organization, (laughs) but in theory, this one single principle has led to enormous musical successes in populations that otherwise would not have been exposed to that kind of art. Now, before you come after me because you think I'm saying that anyone who can play a note on the piano should be a piano teacher, (laughs) hear me, I absolutely do not believe that to be the case. (laughs) The reason I include this point in my list of teacher truths is the fact that all of us, but especially new teachers, end up plagued with all those questions like, am I really good enough to be doing this? Or do I really know enough to be doing this? (laughs) We idealize our own teachers so deeply, you know, um, we trusted them to know so much. (laughs) It's kind of like how as a parent, like, Every now and then I look at my husband and I say, when did we become the grown-ups? <laughs> we can't possibly be the people in charge over these kids, right? <laughs> like, when are the real grown-ups going to show up here? <laughs> but, of course, here we are, and our kids just blindly trust that we actually know what we're doing. <laughs> and as you sit in lessons with your students, you are that person that your students are trusting to know everything there is to know about music. <laughs> Even when you tell them that that's impossible and there's more to learn about music than any one person is ever capable of learning, they just can't help but see you as the authority figure. It's a huge responsibility and taken too far, it can leave any one of us feeling inept. But that's why I come back to this reassurance that we all have a perspective that is worth sharing. We all have something to contribute to our craft. And even with these younger teachers in training that I'm working with, In those cases, I'm dealing with students who have met prerequisites involving competence and maturity, and maybe more importantly, who have taken the initiative to sign up for courses designed to prepare them for teaching, which is so much more than most of us got before we started taking students, right? (laughs) Considering those factors, I don't worry too much about telling them that they, too, have something to offer this profession. So, now I'm asking you. Are you confident in the fact that you have something unique to offer your students? I'm not talking about unique programs or events that you hold. I mean 
you? (laughs) Do you know? And do you actively acknowledge and celebrate the fact that you are equipped with ideas and experiences that have brought you to this point where you can help pass along the joy of music to others? (laughs) Because I'm here to tell you, Even without knowing you and your teaching, I'm pretty confident that you are bringing so much to the table. And as much as we seasoned teachers need reminding of that fact, new teachers need the same kind of reinforcement, probably even more, so they don't find themselves sitting in their lessons wondering when the real teacher is going to show up. Okay, so that's point number one for today. We all have something to offer. Next, let's talk about my teacher truth number five, which is this. The majority of your students will never be as committed to this art as you are. (laughs) Hmm. The majority of your students will never be as committed to this art as you are. Does that sound like a huge downer or what? (laughs) But it is so true. And it often comes as such a surprise because I've worked with enough young teachers to know that this is most often one of the more jarring aspects of early private teaching. They expect their students to practice like they do, (laughs) not just in quantity, but also in quality. I remember so clearly a discussion with one of the first young teachers I ever mentored. After her first lesson with a student, which clearly did not go the way that she had hoped, she was kind of having a hard time putting her disappointment into words. And all of a sudden, she just burst out, I guess I just thought I'd be teaching students like me. And I just had to laugh because how many times in our journeys as teachers have we felt like that? (laughs) Like, why can't this student just be more like me? (laughs) Well, just like pretty much every other aspect of life, (laughs) if you find yourself interacting with another human being and expect them to feel exactly the same way you do about anything, (laughs) you're oftentimes going to be disappointed. (laughs) Of course, sometimes wildly committed students do present themselves, and we love them. (laughs) Sometimes, over time, we are able to build entire studios with very competitive students who understand there is a very high bar of expectation in your studio, and they're very motivated and driven to continue the studio reputation from the (laughs) get-go, and we just love them. But (laughs) if you happen to believe like I do, that music study is good for everyone, then you also have to accept the fact that for many students, practice may never find itself at the top of their priority list. And to me, that's really okay. Because personally, I want students who are going to be able to enjoy and play music for their whole lifetime in whatever capacity is going to serve them the best. 
If you spend your time waiting and wishing for the next like ultra committed student to come along, (laughs) well, that's a really fast track to being an unhappy music teacher. (laughs) If we only measure our success on the number of students we have winning competitions or playing full Beethoven sonatas, for instance, you know, we can find ourselves in a pit really quickly. (laughs) Plus, with that frame of mind, when those star students graduate your studio, they leave you feeling absolutely decimated, even if you have plenty of other students on the roster. So instead, we have to, I mean, have to, have to, have to learn (laughs) to find our satisfaction and our accomplishment in the unique growth of each individual student's abilities. For instance, what can Kevin do this week that he couldn't do last week? (laughs) What did he notice on his own today before you had to point it out to him? What has improved about the way he communicates with you? These are the victories, my friends. Incidentally, this is one of the reasons I believe so strongly in writing student evaluations a few times per year, which you can learn more about in episode 14, by the way. (laughs) This gives you clear opportunities to note for yourself and to communicate home like tangible progress. So go take a listen to episode 14 if you haven't already. Okay, so we've covered the fact that every teacher has something to offer, and we've covered the fact that most of our students are not going to take their instrument as seriously as we do. Check and check. (laughs) Since time is quickly running away on us, I will drop you my last truth, which is very short and sweet and to the point. (laughs) It happens to be number nine on my own personal list. So, drum roll, please. <laughs> Teacher truth number nine respect copyright. Always. <laughs> ah, yes, I went there, friends. <laughs> Plain and simple. I have too many composer and publisher friends who I desperately want to get paid for their work. <laughs> number one, I want them to be able to make a living doing what they're doing. And number two, Selfishly, I want them to be able to afford to keep producing materials that help me do my job better. (laughs) It's artists supporting artists, right? (laughs) We don't give photocopies of music to students so they can sidestep purchasing the book. We don't download illegal copies of things online. We don't use recordings without giving proper credit to the artist, etc. You know, all of these things I'm sure you know. I just like to share this commitment with my younger teacher protégés right away so they don't fall into the temptation to write these things off as harmless. They are not harmless. (laughs) Composers and publishers make us look good. (laughs) We need to pay them so they can keep up the good work. (laughs) So what do you think about the glimpse into my teacher truths list, my friends? (laughs) I would love to know what you think. So you should feel free to message me in whatever way you'd prefer, whether that be Facebook, Instagram, 
or email. I will leave the details at the end of this episode, but first, we need a toast to send us off with today. Music teacher friends of the world, (laughs) today we are giving honor to the truths that we have learned about our profession, regardless of what our situation is today. I hope that this episode has helped you reflect on the things that you have learned as a music teacher, and perhaps you might enjoy drafting your own list of teacher truths. (laughs) You know, things like when you have a student that hasn't shown up on time for her lesson, the very second you let yourself think that she is not going to show up today, she's instantly on your doorstep, (laughs) right? That one's not actually on my list, but it probably should be. Anyway, I think it's important to acknowledge the things that we have learned as music educators, not because it's ever good to like pigeonhole our strategies in one direction, but because it helps us build our confidence. It helps us see that, hey, we have learned a thing or two about this profession, and we are actually pretty competent at what we're doing. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Cheers to us, music teacher friends. Hear, hear. Okay, episode 36 is a wrap. And seriously, I would love to hear from you. So make sure we're friends and followers on Facebook and on Instagram. Look me up at Beyond Measure Podcast. And if you're not into the socials scene, then just pop me an email at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. If any of your students or if you yourself would benefit from a webinar or a video course or whatever it might be with highlights from my pedagogy courses, including my entire list of teacher truths, I would be happy to put something together. I just don't know what kind of desire there is out there, so let me know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what we can work out, shall we? (laughs) In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, we will all just keep working hard, resting well, and being nice. (laughs) Enjoy your day, my friends.